0: Hello everyone and today I'm lucky to be joined by Nicola Mackell who is the CEO of Luxembourg for Finance. That's the agency for the development of the financial industry in Luxembourg. Nicola welcome to RTL today.
1: Good morning Lisa.
0: It's great to have you here. Now I want the elevator pitch for those listeners who may not know what Luxembourg for Finance is. Tell us about it.
1: Well, Luxembourg for Finance is an agency that has been set up 12 years ago by, on the one hand, the Luxembourg government, more particularly the Ministry of Finance. And on the other hand, the different associations representing the financial services industries, Alfi, ABBL, ACA, and of course, our friends from the Chamber of Commerce. Our remit is to help develop the financial industry in Luxembourg. And we do that uh, by exploring new markets abroad, by trying to bring new financial institutions to Luxembourg, and of course by communicating a lot about Luxembourg and organising events.
0: So you've been in The Post uh, for the past seven years. How have you developed the Financial Centre of Luxembourg?
1: I don't want to claim that we have developed, we have contributed to developing. If you look at it, our financial services industry has certainly grown. I don't know if that has anything to do with our activity. We offer a framework and support activities to other activities that are going on. If you look at what service providers are doing, for instance, in Luxembourg, in order to help bring financial institutions to Luxembourg, then obviously with a little help of our British friends uh, that also played for Luxembourg Brexit, at least in the sense of bringing financial institutions to us. Then if you look at what others are doing like Alfie is doing to help develop the investment fund uh, sector. So we are just one player among many. We help look at exactly what financial institution abroad should be interested in Luxembourg. We go visit them very often with the ministers, knock on their doors, explain to them why and how they should be interested in Luxembourg. And that is how little by little we are continuing to build this ecosystem that over the last 40 years has been built into what it is today. So we are adding our little bricks to what has been done before and what will be done after us.
0: You mentioned Brexit. Now, funnily enough, I was listening to BBC Radio 4 this morning and uh, there was a finance person speaking on the programme, as there pretty much every day is. And he said that, in fact, not many financial institutions moved out of the City of London and that they really are at the forefront of fintech and green finance as well. So how many exodus companies have you had from Britain due to Brexit coming to Luxembourg? Was it as many as you thought?
1: Well, first of all, I think this person may be technically right that not many financial institutions have moved out of London, but they have created elsewhere in the European Union ...different platforms, entities that they needed to set up in order to continue serving their clients in the EU27 markets. And of those, I think we are very satisfied with our tally, namely that we have between 60 and 80 different financial institutions more than 30 in the asset management industry, roughly 10 banks, 13 insurance companies, six fintech firms, of which some giants like Alipay or trendsetters like Airbnb. I think that puts us nearly on par with Ireland and certainly uh, way ahead of other financial centers in Europe. In this, of course, you shouldn't forget that Ireland probably had a very big advantage at the start because who were the financial institutions that were in London, in order to enter the European market, Anglo-Saxon firms, British and American. And for them, obviously, Ireland is linguistically, culturally, and even geographically closer. But Luxembourg also could uh, score very highly on many of these uh, benchmarking exercises that went on. But all this being said, let me repeat that Brexit is something that we do not rejoice about and never will. It is a lose-lose proposition for everybody. Yet, of course, we are quite happy that when they had to find alternatives to London, many of them did choose Luxembourg. It shows that Luxembourg in these activities is seen as a center of excellence, because that was the main reason why they came. It's the ecosystem, it's the expertise that is available in Luxembourg for these activities, asset management, insurance, certain banking activities, and then, of course, fintech.
0: Now, the government have also been trying to enlarge other industries, other vertical industries such as space or medtech and the like. How is the financial sector going to fit in with these? Do you feel that the government is still placing a lot of emphasis on you? Do you feel supported by the government still?
1: Of course, we are supported by the government. Um, the government would be probably abandoning its duties if it weren't supporting its milk cow, um, current if,
0: milk cow,
1: and current and future milk cow. Because until any other such activities come to the point where they produce the same sort of income as the current financial services industry produces. We are not talking about your children or your grandchildren, but their grandchildren. It is simply so that if you look at the way our economy has grown, it's the financial industry that has carried to a very large degree the Expenses that Luxembourg can afford, the salaries to uh, civil servants, the social system and the pension system and so on, that is to a very large degree stemmed by the financial industry's tax intake.
0: And do you think people understand that?
1: That's a very interesting question, whether people understand that. We certainly like repeating it. Um, I'm not even sure that they are interested in knowing. Sometimes you get the feeling they take it for granted. Obviously, I think everybody would like to see more diversification into also other economic sectors, but I don't think that diversification should necessarily mean less financial centers. You can add to what we have in financial services without reducing... What financial services are doing. I think um, that would be wrong.
0: And given what you've mentioned already, we have in place here about 30 asset management firms, 10 banks, 13 insurance, 6 fintech. Do you want to become more expert in these areas? Or do you also want to see more diversification of the financial sector here?
1: I think we have seen over the last uh, 10-20 years, quite a lot of diversification. But you can Best grow when you build on your strength, when you know what your strengths are and you try to expand on these. Luxembourg cannot, and Brexit has shown this clearly, simply declare itself an investment banking hub. It cannot declare itself a derivatives trading hub. These are not things that you do overnight. This is um, the result of where we are today is the fruit of efforts as i said very initially of the last 40 years basically our investment fund center has been started well actually already in the 60s but really kicked off in the late 80s and since then Year after year after year after year has been added to it, different initiatives, different innovations, so that today we have, besides the expertise, we have a toolbox with all sorts of structuring vehicles, which are basically the main reasons why all these investors choose to do things out of Luxembourg.
0: As an organisation, you're talking to people outside the boundaries of Luxembourg and inside Luxembourg as well. How does that conversation differ?
1: That depends on whom you speak to, um, obviously both for outside and inside. Our interlocutors are at the same time the financial services industry people. And also because we do a lot of communication with non-financial services representatives such as journalists, for instance, There, it's first of all very different the way you discuss about the financial industry between Professionals and between, for instance, journalists, obviously also professionals, but of a different kind of uh, activity, (laughs) the media, the way they see Luxembourg is very different. And then, obviously, how between the international and the national. Very often in the Luxembourg context, if you are not talking to financial services professionals, it is mostly the purely Luxembourgish interests that prevail. And Luxembourg, however, is a very international country. I don't need to tell you, you know this very well, but many Luxembourgers still think they are alone in this country when more than half of the population is not Luxembourgish and is helping to make this country into what it is, is even by now defining what this country is, namely an international country.
0: Do you feel that that mindset of that type of Luxembourgish person understands the huge amount of wealth that has been brought to Luxembourg due to the financial industries?
1: Um, I think that the Luxembourger may probably very well know that he lives in a very special way. It's relatively obvious when you compare ourselves to our friends and colleagues who live in our neighboring countries. Whether you compare salaries or you compare the social security system you compare the pension system i think we live on an island somewhere of a very special kind now are people aware where this comes from i don't know i i think as i uh, said before they probably to a large degree take it for granted it's maybe our role to get better at explaining how this actually comes about and what we Luxembourgers need to do in order to make sure that it is sustainable in the long term.
0: Moving towards Europe a little more, what do you find frustrating or a barrier or a threat to Luxembourg's role within the EU and beyond that, global financial services?
1: I think frustrating. the EU is that you have a lot of people including very high-ranking and very important politicians who preach Europe from morning to evening from dawn to dusk and then when it comes to actually concrete activities are becoming very protectionist and nationalist protect their markets and so on Luxembourg is a country that has always preached Europe because also it lives from Europe. Luxembourg grew into what it is because it is a member of the European Union and of the EU single market. But we are sticking to this and we are walking the talk also. If you look at, for instance, the uh, recent EU uh, recovery fund, the 750 billion that have been put together, Luxembourg is one of the few countries that won't draw very much out of it. But for us, it's very important to be contributing to Europe's recovery. If you then look at other leaders, politicians and so on, who position themselves as great Europeans, but then when the going gets tough, uh, close up their borders and, and uh, more generally try to l- protect their markets, that is to me probably the most frustrating thing about Europe.
0: Any examples? No. <laughs> Well, that brings me on to your diplomatic uh, career path. Uh, You were based in Washington. You were also Consul General in Shanghai 2011-13. to And recently across Eastern Asia, there has been a deal signed for their own market to trade freely between countries. What do you think of that? It makes them the biggest uh, single market in the world.
1: Yes, it's certainly something that we should applaud to see different countries not only cooperating, but trying to economically integrate. We in Europe have done this ever since the 1950s, and it has been extremely beneficial to all of us. Most of the benefits are probably still not fully known to the different populations. Now, the difference is that The project in Asia is very much a strictly commercial, so a trade deal where we in Europe build multiple layers and multiple dimensions into our integration. And if we, for instance, have been so successful in creating a pan-European fund market or more generally a single market in financial services, for instance, it is because next to a supranational authority like the Commission, there was a supranational court of justice that could adjudicate disputes on the interpretation of the common law in the directives and the regulations. There was various other elements of harmonization of consumer protection law and so on and so forth. So the depth and the breadth of how we integrate it has allowed us to go very far. But obviously, every initiative of this kind is to be applauded, because I think that it will bring great benefits to the people of the countries involved in this project. And ultimately, once the EU and these different initiatives get together and also cooperate and Create trade relations, and that will be again beneficial for all of us. I'm a very firm believer in open trade and in globalization. Maybe we need to um, find ways of dealing with um, the weaknesses of globalization or the disadvantages that it brought here and there. But ultimately, in the greater scheme of things, I think it has been beneficial for all of us.
0: What do you view as the weaknesses of globalization?
1: that maybe it left certain people behind especially people in lower paid jobs in our countries that these jobs went to other countries but maybe we need to get better at reskilling them we see it even today whether it is in financial services or in other areas for instance digitalization is doing exactly the same thing as globalization it takes jobs away from the people at the lower levels of uh, salary but we need to get better as a a society in reskilling them offering them new opportunities and giving them a new way of looking at the, the professional life.
0: You were also just flipping continents based in Washington you often tweet about the hill and I'm sure you were avidly watching the elections recently. How did you find life in Washington and how have you seen American politics change more recently?
1: Well, life in Washington as a city is, of course, fantastic because it's a beautiful city with a great quality of life. The capital of the United States is fascinating because it's the political center of the world. I was there also at a moment when the Obama phenomenon started and he ran his campaign, he won the elections. My goodness, the impression of Change really, I mean, a new epoch opening this wind that blew there when um, I was on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. in January 2009 by freezing temperatures uh, to wait for the moment that uh, President Obama was sworn in. And there were 2 million people who thought that this was the moment a new political era would open, and then the pendulum swung back. Now we will hopefully see, with the victory of Joe Biden in these elections, a return to a different sort of dialogue between the United States and Europe, or the rest of the world for that matter. I think what we have been mostly missing is the cooperation on great issues and challenges that we are facing. I think we would all agree that they are not lacking. There are enough challenges that need both the United States and Europe. If we cannot have that conversation, then it's difficult to each in our own corners tackle these challenges. And I hope that what we will see is that the United States will, in the words of Bill Clinton, again, lead by the power of their example and not the example of their power.
0: That's a beautiful phrase. Thinking about legacies and careers, there was great excitement there when you were talking about your time in Washington. Would you like to return to life on the road, life as a diplomat, representing Luxembourg abroad?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I'm currently still having fun in my present job even though the job has obviously completely changed with the current crisis. Normally I was on the road quite a lot in my current job. But getting back into the circuit of Luxembourg's diplomatic uh, is is probably a medium to long-term goal that I still cherish. I am fundamentally a Luxembourg diplomat. That's also why I was appointed to this current role. So once a diplomat, you're always a diplomat. I could very well imagine myself someday going back and uh, representing my country in uh, whichever capital or at what they an international organization that uh, should be.
0: I'm glad you brought uh, coronavirus up before I did, or at least the the mention of it. (laughs) How do you think that's going to affect global markets?
1: Well, uh, it has already affected them quite a lot. You see that the European Commission is predicting for 2020 a 7.4% recession in the EU. Um, The first... Half of 2020 even brought about a recession that was worse than the Great Recession of the 1930s. We are living extraordinary times. If anybody had told you, even in January this year, that we would see such a recession this year, you would, first of all, have declared that person totally nuts. And second, you would really have gotten scared because nobody was expecting this. Interestingly enough, financial markets seem for the moment not really to have factored it in after an initial quite a big dip in February-March. 25 30 40% they have recovered. Uh, why they have recovered, we can discuss that until the cows come home. It's probably more linked to the low interest rate environment and the fact that it's the only game in town for investors. And we will see how the second wave now will play out, how long it will be, obviously the... News on the vaccine is uh, very welcome by the markets. Let's see how this plays out. I think we are in this for the long haul. Um, luckily, we learned a lot from the last crisis and gave our financial industry a, a stronger framework that allows it today to weather this storm better than it did the previous crisis. But Obviously, there will be damage, and how, how serious the damage is uh, going to be, we will see. The Commission is also anticipating an uptick of uh, European unemployment rates. People who are laid off are not spending money anymore. They cannot reimburse mortgages, and the same goes for companies uh, that have borrowed money from banks. Uh, they cannot reimburse it. So, ultimately, I mean, we're all in this boat together uh, trying to uh, master the waves. It's very difficult at the current point in time to be making a proper assessment. We are still to a very large degree uh, on life support from the financial uh, support that governments are providing directly or that the European Central Bank is providing indirectly to our economies. Um, That is very helpful, um, has also been on an unprecedented scale. But I think we... uh, we have not seen the full economic impact of this pandemic yet.
0: I'm quite sure because that life support is also being generated from tax funds either today or in the future as well. Now, that's all rather negative. I like to leave on a positive note, either for yourself or for Luxembourg for Finance.
1: I think that's very simple. In my time in China, I learned that uh, the Chinese translate the word crisis in Weiji which uh, is written in two different characters, way, which is danger, and G, which is opportunity, which shows that every crisis is at at the same time a danger and an opportunity. We definitely should take this crisis as an opportunity. As the greatest of uh, the Brits once said, you should never let a good crisis go to waste. And we definitely should build back better. Uh, This is not a political mantra. This is what we should all be doing. We have in Luxembourg really over the last couple of years refocused our industry on sustainable finance. And if you simply look at the fact that, for instance, the Luxembourg Stock Exchange this year listed even more social bonds than green bonds in terms of volumes, that shows you how finance can play a really important role in restructuring our lives, giving them a more sustainable platform.
0: Well, that's a beautiful thing to end on. And as that uh, famous British politician also said, keep buggering on and that's all we can do. Thank you so much for your time, Nicola.
1: Pleasure.